Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission Two Men One Podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, aka the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are kicking off, and I don't even know if Vince remembered this, <laughs> but I did. We are kicking off the month of May, which means it's time for May I Have Another when the, oh. when this Michelle Mission purposefully oh. selects films that maybe have a reputation of not being the best in black cinema. Bitch, that say Pittsburgh ain't part of this. I chose that before. And totally unbeknownst to him, Vince has selected a film that is virtually synonymous with May I Have Another. I vehemently disagree. (laughs) With 1978's The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. I'd already like to put in my official complaint about this. I object. You are out of order. This is all out of order. This is fake news. No, it's not. It's May on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, coming your way. But first, as always, we like to touch... Get in touch with all of you by reading all of your feedback, your emails, all your thoughts and concerns that you send to us. And then we got an email from Deborah Battle. Hey, what's up, Deborah? Says, listening to the podcast and laughing at your jokes about Helen Martin made me look up how old she really was <laughs> when she was on most of her TV shows. She wasn't even that old. How old was she? <laughs> Finding out that Helen Martin. Um, who was one of the co-stars of last week's movie, A Hero Ain't Nothing But a Sandwich, finding out that she was born in 1909. Yeah, right? And had a long... That is ridiculous. (laughs) And had a... She was born before the color orange. (laughs) When I was a little itty bitty child, red and yellow were separate. <laughs> weren't allowed to put them together. Get in this house. You out here mixing colors. Out here mixing colors. <laughs> She's older than orange. <laughs> that's, that's, that's terrible. That is terrible. Oh, God. <laughs> you had to pick red or you had to pick yellow. Those are the only choices that a black person had. There ain't no in between. Ain't no in between. <laughs> and then Helen Martin was born. <laughs> All these afros and civil rights. Anyway, let me continue. <laughs> All right. Um, finding out that she was born in 1909 and had a long history in theater and Broadway, and as one of the fa- and was also one of the founding members of the American Negro Theater. I think we pointed it out the last time. Yeah, she I was came about to say we did know that. Yeah. 
In the early 70s, Helen was a cast member in the musical uh, Raisin, based on the play Raisin in the Sun. Oh, did not know that. Other members of that cast were Joe Morton, um, who is famously the star of uh, Brother from Another Planet. Mm Mm-hmm. And a a big-time character actor on TV and the movies. Ralph Carter. Which we have talked about. Go ahead. Michael on good the, the first couple of seasons of Good Times exactly. would say, and, and somebody who is in this film tonight, did she list the entire cast? And Debbie Allen. That's right. Debbie Allen is was in Raisin. Who and also shows up in the Fish That Says Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. She continues. Cecily Tyson, who was also in a hero ain't nothing but a sandwich, also had a long career in theater and TV and didn't get the big roles in the movies. She was on a lot of TV shows in the 60s, but in the 80s, in the 80s, she married Miles Davis and let her acting take a back seat in her life. It was not until the 90s that she would make a real comeback with a... uh, T- with TV and more theater roles. I did not know that she was married to uh, Miles Davis for a time. Yeah, she's actually on the cover of, I believe, Nefertiti, the album Nefertiti, and um, Pearl Clesia's book, Mad at Miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I-, I think the, the the title refers, you know, Miles Davis, uh, unfortunately, was uh, um, he was a domestic abuser. Yeah. And 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 he used to hit Cicely Tyson. Oh, really? And because Cicely Tyson was his most famous mate, she's the person that most people know about when they talk about uh, Miles Davis. You, you know, just not being a cool guy. Mm. Okay. So unfortunately, that's that's why why most people who know that they're married know that they were married because of that. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, I got you. Oh. Mm, that's a shame. I didn't mean to bring down the room, but you know, Miles Davis and Cicely Tyson is not a cool story. Got you, got you. Well, unfortunately, the thing is, outside of the music, what you learn is that there's not a lot of cool stories revolving around Miles Davis. No, no, no. I mean, not to 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 stay here, but but Miles Davis really is the sort of conversation ender mm-hmm. when you talk about. You, you know, like the like conversations we've had over the past five, six years about people like R. Kelly, people like um, Michael Jackson, people like, frankly, David Bowie. Okay. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's easy kind of sit on a, on a moral high horse with certain people. Like, frankly, I know the Chris Brown conversation. Mm-hmm. Like it was very easy to be, you know, oh, well, we need to, as they say, cancel Chris Brown, because a lot of people who were saying the Chris Brown stuff didn't listen to Chris Brown. Right, right. And, you know, and even R. Kelly, like once you get into the R. Kelly territory, it's it's like, you know, step in the name of love. And, and if you like just spectacle, like I was a fan of the Trapped in the Closet stuff just because it was ridiculous. <laughs> but it wasn't hard to say. I'm not rocking with R. Kelly. That's true. That's true. But then the pool starts getting deeper, and then you get into Michael Jackson, then you get into David Bowie, and then as soon as you hit Miles Davis, I just have to be quiet. Mm. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, as they say, all your faves are problematic. 
That's right. That's very true. Very true. Which will uh, play out later tonight with our review. Um, you got something crazy to say about James Bond the <laughs> third? James Bond the third did some did some sketchy stuff. James Bond the third was doing like tax evasion. Let me continue. <laughs> George Kimona was listening to our episode on a Hero Ain't Nothing But a Sandwich, as he always What's up, George? As he always does, he was listening to it on SoundCloud. He left a couple of comments. In regards to our the early part of the episode where we were speaking about Black AF. Right. He says that he wanted to like it too, but fell asleep on the first episode and just never went back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a fan yeah. of that show either. Uh, and he also it says, um, talking about all of the things that you've been watching, Vince, as opposed to watching, you know, newer things or things that knocking stuff off your checklist. He says, Vince, he, I completely understand. I got sucked into a wire rewatch. Yeah, yeah, wire pull you in. The wire, the, wire will, will pull, the wire will pull you in. You don't mind it because it's such good stuff, you know. I know. I know. I know. All right. Let's see what's happening. And, um, hey, Vince, um, the trailer for Lovecraft Country dropped Man. Man, I am looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to this since they announced it. Lovecraft Country, which is an upcoming uh, fantasy horror television series on HBO, ladies and gentlemen, is destined to debut in August of this year. Uh, It is produced by Jordan Peele, Misha Green of Underground fame, as well as J.J. Abrams and Ben Stevenson. And it is a show that follows Atticus Black as he joins up with his friend Letitia and his uncle George to embark on a road trip across 1950s Jim Crow America in search of his missing father. Um, And from there, it dips into some eerie things. This this movie stars. Series, not movie. Oh, series, excuse me. Yeah, it is a series. uh, the, The series stars... Uh, Anjane Ellis, Michael Kenneth Williams, Abby Lee, uh, Journey Smollett Bell, and in the lead role, straight from the last black man in San Francisco, Jonathan Majors. Uh, and also yeah. features uh, Courtney, Courtney Vance is also uh, yeah. featured in it as well. Um, yeah, you're looking forward to this, right, Vince? Yeah, yeah. It's based on a novel. It was actually one of my favorite books last year. And yeah, it was one of my favorite books. And if you know anything about me, this doesn't sound like something that I'd necessarily sign up for. Like it's a period piece. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Lovecraft obviously is a reference to H.P. Lovecraft. Right. So so it's the horror element. Mm -hmm. But that's just how good it is. Yeah, that's just how good it is. And, And like I said, I think it's it's a killer cast. Um, it's funny. I, I, I think I, I didn't know that Anjani Ellis was in it. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's quite a get. Did you did you watch the Clark sisters? I did not. I, I have not she, seen that yet. She destroys 
her role in the Clark system. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Yeah, she's always good. But as Maddie Clark, she is amazing. Yeah. So, So that's just yet another reason I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, looking forward to this a lot. Yeah, I I um didn't know anything about the book. I do remember when they had mentioned that this project was going to come uh, um be making its way to HBO and just the, the people behind it made it interesting to me. And now seeing the trailer I'm all in. I am all yeah. in on Lovecraft Country. I can't wait. I I, I mean I'm just mad that it's, I got to wait till August. I know. I know. But but I think it'll be worth the wait. I hope so. I hope so. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, in the Facebook group, ladies and gentlemen, where each and every day you, all of you, are giving us your little shout outs and dropping little tidbits and news and 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 thoughts and concerns, and we we appreciate it all. Uh, speaking of George Kimono, also posted on there that. Um, it looks like All Rise is going to be doing a virtual episode about the pandemic. Yeah, oh yeah. So Simone Missick's uh, CBS show is uh, going to be uh, coming back to, you know, uh, the screens pretty soon. Looking forward to that. We've been missing that for, yeah. a, for a little bit. Um, there was something else I saw in here. Uh, hey, Vince, did, how did you celebrate May 4th? Or, or as I should call it, May the 4th be with you? I. You did not? I, I Yeah, I, I think it, the day just sort of slipped away from me. Yeah, me too. Like the day just sort of slipped away from me, and I'm not a big enough Star Wars fan that I stopped everything. So I, I actually did. Usually me and my daughter will watch something. Mm. And just with everything that's going on, like we looked up and the day was gone. Steve Tozen hit us up. Oh, that's, that's the end of our face. <laughs> I guess you didn't do anything either. <laughs> no. <laughs> you just Bryant gumbled, made the force be with you. <laughs> Moving on. Hey, the Michelle mission is a Star Trek house. We mention Star Wars out of respect Amen. and then we keep moving. You know what? That's going to be important in a moment. All right. Yeah. Steve Tozen hit us up saying how we primarily watch content on Roku, which will show one solitary ad while you scan the channels. On one random Saturday evening, the ad, the ad posted was for a movie starring Richard Pryor and Billy D. Williams called Black Brigade. I thought of the, oh. the Michelle mission immediately, and I checked the group as well as the, the webpage to see if it had been reviewed, and it had not. The ad from the channel... Uh, the ad came from a channel called Jive Turkey, which with a name like that, I had to at least take a cursory look at the movie at their movie lineup. Jive Turkey is full of the requisite black movies from the 70s, such as the aforementioned Black Brigade, which was originally released as Carter's Army um, when it was broadcast on ABC in January of 1970. Ganja and Hess, Dynamite Brothers, and the entire Black Cobra quadra- quadrology are on <laughs> Jive Turkey. It took me, I'm sorry. 
There were four Black Cobra films. Who knew? Let's, let's let that kind of sit there for a second. <laughs> also on Jive Turkey, you can find not one, not two, but three, four Italian-made movies starring Fred Williamson as a rogue detective. That's the Black, Black Cobra series. Surprisingly, this post is not about those movies. Jive Turkey... <laughs> Jive Turkey also had a host of grindhouse films, non-Shaw Brothers kung fu movies, and I noticed a couple of movie posters with actors' names that I didn't recognize, nor could I easily determine their origin. So I clicked on one called Joe Bullet and was greeted with a message from one of the movie's production companies, Gravel Road. Ready to hear the rabbit hole? Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my. It's almost done, Vince. Because I'm back at the Italian films that Joe Williamson was making that I just found out about two weeks ago. Okay. I mean, Fred Williamson. Go ahead. Joe Bullet was produced in 1971 and was one of the first South African films to feature an all-African cast. In 1973, it was independently released in the Uito Cinema in Soweto. Shortly thereafter, the film was banned by the apartheid government and was never screened again. Oh, it was too black, too strong. (laughs) Too black, too strong. And he goes he goes on to give us the entire story of the Joe the Joe Bullet saga. Uh, okay, it's very interesting. You have to check it out. It's, the post is in our Facebook group, ladies and gentlemen. So check that out. Uh, Steve Tozen's little uh, gives you the history on Joe Joe Bullet, and also shows sends a link where you can see the movie trailer. All right, good looking out, Steve. So thank you very much. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Music manager Deb Atney says love and hip hop makes black women look disgraceful. Well, okay. (laughs) Okay. Tell me something we didn't know. Right. Right. You know, I mean, come on, come on. Let's get, let's get serious. Let's get serious. All right. And, uh, I'm trying to see what else is there in our Facebook group. Um, did you see Lockdown with Robert Townsend? They did an interview. Shadow and Act did an interview with Robert Townsend about his career. I haven't watched it yet. I have it, I have it um bookmarked though. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it, ladies and gentlemen, it's right there on our Facebook page where you can uh check it out. It's Shadow and Act's Lockdown with uh Robert Townsend. Yeah, oh yeah. Joe Oberto has a question for you, Vince. Okay. Excuse hey, Joe. Me. Excuse me. John Obito. Excuse me. I, I, hey, John. I mispronounced the name. What meaning did you read in Robert Downing Jr.'s role in Tropic Thunder? Oh, yeah. I saw this conversation. This is a neat conversation. Um, I forget who posted this answer, but I agree with them that I never thought that it was blackface per se. Mm-hmm. I thought it was satire. Yes. And commentary on blackface. Yes. That's, and then that's exactly what, how I felt about it as well. Right. 
That's a, right. I, I actually, I'm actually a fan of Tropic Thunder. Oh, I'm a huge fan of Tropic Thunder. Yeah, I'm actually a fan of Tropic Thunder. His is a uh, Sergeant Lincoln Osiris. Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's like, yeah. like Dave Chappelle has talked about it. Like, you can always tell these black characters that somebody white came up with their name. <laughs> yep. Lincoln Osiris. Like, really? <laughs> Most definitely. Nia Smith says... Or, or, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go, 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 go. No, no, never mind, go ahead. Uh, John Obito says that, um, well, excuse me, Ken Garf says, I, it, it was funnier than it had any right to be. I should have been offended to Helen back, but I genuinely laughed and thought his performance made the movie worth watching. To which uh, Nia Smith says, I completely agree. One of my guilty pleasures is a behind-the-scenes mockumentary feature that was done on his character. I think that's included oh. on the DVD. <laughs> Uh-oh. Now, now that's the second thing I have to hunt down. I'm about to say. The first thing I have to hunt down, did you see that there's a novelization of The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh? A novelization of The Fish There's that... a novelization based on the original script where there have been some slight changes. Oh, my God. Are you serious? I read it and I said, I said yep, need to find that. <laughs> but we'll talk about that. I'm jumping ahead. Uh, that is that is the color of BS. Um, <laughs> that is definitely the, the color of BS. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, all right. There's a, there's a bunch. There's a ton of commentary going down here in the, in a Facebook group. People have been going, having fun. Um, Oh my God! The 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 uh, you know there's posting about the the wire um, podcast that Jamel Hill and Van Lathan are yeah doing, yeah, which is uh, getting big getting a lot of props right now. A lot of people are, are loving that. Um, yeah. Is it, was there anything anything in here that you wanted to cover real quick, Vince? Before we get to our review, there's a fresh there was a Fresh Prince reunion. Oh my Jesus. No, no, no! I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to, ready to go to Pittsburgh. I'm ready to go to Pittsburgh. Mm, mm. Well, I don't know if you've and, heard, Vince, and perhaps call Child Protective Services. <laughs> All right, ladies. my four-year-old. My four-year-old said, "Where's his daddy?" <laughs> Well, I th- I roaming th- around in the middle of the night, and Adam was concerned that there were no parents around to protect them. I think some of that is explained, though, isn't it? I mean, his sister was raising them. Yeah. But she had a whole lot of slip talk for Moses Gunthery for somebody who really wasn't overseeing her 14-year-old brother's life that well. I said, wow, she's talking real disrespectful to Moses <laughs> for somebody who doesn't know where her brother is after Tom. The only way he's going to get into college is if he has good grades. I'm like, yeah, if he doesn't get kidnapped in human traffic. <laughs> Why are there no adults watching this boy ever? 
Yeah, she was a uh, she was a little. Suspect. But I'm skipping ahead. She's she a little suspect. Uh, we invite you, ladies and gentlemen, listening in on at the podcast to join the Facebook group Me Show Mission, where we have a lot of fun talking back with all of our missionary fans, and like and follow the the Me Show Mission on all the social medias, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Me Show Mission. Check us out. And don't forget to go to our website, MeShowMission.com, where you can buy some swag because that helps our show and keeps it helps us keep the show free for you. All right? Let's get into our review of 1978's The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. is sweeping the nation. It is highly contagious. Fortunately, there is no cure. It's the fish that saved Pittsburgh. It's the fish. Fish. There are Pisces. All Pisces. It's dazzling. It's futuristic. It's fun. Some balloons for everybody, huh? Don't cut your belly. It's got speed. It's got rhythm. It's got style. It's a new sensation, a celebration, and a secret weapon. Music. Take an Indian, a preacher, a midget, I am Stan, a magician, a hip DJ, an Arab, an astrologer, and a great big kid. What have you got? It's fish fever. And once you catch it, you're a hook. The fish that saved Pittsburgh. An astrological disco sports extravaganza. And may the fish be with you. Out of sight. I'm hip. Whatever. <laughs> the fish that saved Pittsburgh, which was an uh, American sports fantasy comedy film. <laughs> Wikipedia. Oh, we're calling it fantasy. We're calling it fantasy. <laughs> List this as fantasy. Okay, fantasy. You don't believe in the power of astrology. <laughs> this was a going concern in 1979. <laughs> it's <laughs> American sports fantasy comedy. Oh, and they're calling it a comedy. They're and they're calling it a comedy. <laughs> Released in 1979, the movie directed by Gilbert Moses, um, filmed on location in Pittsburgh. Uh, 
follows the story of a struggling basketball team, the Pittsburgh Pythons, whose continuous losing streak and lack of talent has made them the laughingstock of, of <laughs> Pittsburgh. Believing that the team needs a, needs a miracle, ball boy slash water boy Tyrone Millman, played by James Bond the third, turns to astrology to improve the team's fortune. <laughs> He brings his idea to astrologer Mona Mondu, played by Stockard Channing, and they come up with the perfect concept, a team composed entirely of players born under the astrological sign of Pisces. The star sign of superstar player Moses Guthrie, play, who is portrayed by professional basketball player Julius <laughs> Dr. J. Irving. Yes, sir. Thus, the team is reborn as the Pittsburgh Pisces, and hijinks ensue in this 1979 <laughs> fantasy comedy that was Vince's selection to kick off our month of no, May I Have no, Another. No, 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 no. That is not why I chose it. Vince, what say you of your subconscious pick? Of the you know fish what? that say Pittsburgh. <laughs> you know what, Lynn? I'm not even playing with you with this. Because how much do I love this dumbass movie? <laughs> Let me just tell you my history with this movie. Please. We usually do, as you just said, this came out in 1979. Yes. I'm going to go a little further. Okay. This actually came out on November 6th, 1979. Okay. This is important because on November 6th, I had no idea this film existed. <laughs> I knew nothing about this film. I'd never heard about this film. I had just turned nine years old, didn't know anything about this film. Okay. Okay. But do you know what nine-year-old Vince already was? And we just talked about it. I was a Star Trek fanatic. Okay. okay. I was a Trekker already at nine. I watched the reruns. I watched the cartoons. If anyone has listened to this, you know, this is one of the many things you and I have in common. Very much so. On December 7th, 1979. Mm-hmm. Star Trek, the motion picture came out. Oh, okay. Okay. Just over a month after the fish that saved Pittsburgh came out. Right. Opening weekend. I was super excited about this. Mm -hmm. Lynn, you remember there was this huge buildup. Yes, Those of you was. that don't know, Star Trek had gotten canceled. And, and for over 10 years, there was no Star Trek. Stuff. Like it's not like now where where you know it's like there's always a show and mm -hmm. there's a movie every couple of years. There have been no new Star Trek material for over a decade. That's right. Everything came together. Star Trek the motion picture came out. If you love Star Trek, this was a huge, huge deal. It's all you were waiting for. The weekend it came out, my dad said he was going to take me to go see Star Trek. Okay, good father. Yes, you know, my, my dad, we're going to go see Star Trek, and, and, and you know, like, like not to go too far down the rabbit hole, like, usually we went to the movies because it was three of us, we'd go to the drive-in. Okay. Because there was three kids. 
Right. And, and you, so, you know, they weren't taking the kid, all the kids to the movies. So, like, this is one of the very few times that, like, I could go to the movies by myself. Mm. Me and my dad. A couple other times, like, when my cousins were, bo- were born and my mother went to visit my aunt, mm-hmm. it would just be me and my dad. And he'd, like, like I saw Smokey and the Bandit. Mm-hmm. I saw Cannonball Run in the theater, and it was a big deal. Like, I could get popcorn, and it was a whole deal. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, yeah, because we went to the drive-in. Did your mother used to pop the popcorn and bring it with you? Yes. And then put it in, like, the paper bag? Yes, yes. Yeah, so, so, you know, so I would get popcorn after movies. Me and my dad going to see Star Trek. That Saturday, i never forget this as long as I live. I said, Dad, we need to go. We need to go ahead and go. It's going to be crowded. I want to see the previews and sidebar. Lynn, you know I'm a preview dude now. Part of it is because of shucking and jiving with adults in my life when I was little. <laughs> and you missed the previews. And I would miss the previews. That's true. That's messing true. around with these people. That's right. Dad, we need to go. Yep. We need to go ahead and go. Get a seat. There's a big deal. Saturday, my dad, um, you know, doing dad stuff. I don't know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Get to Security Mall, which was our local mall where the theater was. Mm-hmm. Go up to the counter. Star Trek is sold out. No. No. Sold out. Uh. Star Trek. Like you said, my dad is a good dad, but he was a good 70s dad. <laughs> This is your two-hour window right here. You better choose something. Right. Like, this is your moment. Hold up, Vince. You broke up there for a minute there. Let's start that up again. My dad is a good dad, but he's a good 70s dad. Mm-hmm. This year window right here for the movies. Right. Star Trek is sold out. You see something else? <laughs> or are we going home? Or are we going home? You go and yes, see the fish that saved Pittsburgh. Wow. Okay. Okay. Lynn, I was so angry. <laughs> You know that kid angry, like you, like now that I have kids, like that pure anger mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that like a nine year old can have. Mm-hmm. I was so angry at my father for approximately fifteen minutes. Oh, uh. and I and I I did. I fell in love with this stupid ass movie. <laughs> I really did. You like must you said, have. You must have fallen in love look, with it, man. Look, For man, you to get over I, missing look, Star Trek. Look, Lynn, just just to put a bow on that story, almost 40 years later, mm-hmm. I've seen Star Trek the motion picture maybe three times. And that's about two, two, it, too many. It, it is laborious. It is slow. It is overwrought. It is overwritten, mm-hmm. and it is dull. Mm-hmm. 
say what you will about the fish that save Pittsburgh. It is 142. It is one hour and 42 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 look, it keeps it moving. Look, <laughs> it keeps it moving. 25 minutes in, they're into the conceit. They pull together the, this oddball cast of basketball players. You tell them, hey, look, it's the astrological sign. It's it's a version of the Bad News Bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 go and they they like like they, there's barely a complication. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then it's the highlight of the Silvers. Yeah. Come out. And they play Lynn when the, when they brought the silvers out for halftime in the big fish stick fish box. Fish sticks box. <laughs> Lynn, I was grinning ear to ear yesterday when they pushed the fish stick box out and then it opened and all thirty seven silvers. Because <laughs> why why is there so many silvers? I know. Thank you. Why is there so many silvers? It was 900 black people in the silvers. And nobody playing an instrument. It's not like no, they were a band. <laughs> they were just doing choreography. <laughs> they were just doing choreography. 900 black people doing choreography in the silvers. Look, all jokes aside, I think this is a surprisingly solid cast. We talked about it last week. Jonathan Winters is in this. Yes, yes, Jonathan Winters. Stocker Channing is in this. Stocker Channing. Margaret Avery is in Mar- this. A beautiful Margaret Avery. M- uh, M- Emmett Walsh is in this. Mm-hmm. E. Emmett Walsh. Uh, we were talking last week about Larry Scott. And, and you know what I was thinking? There was this period in the mid to late 70s where it really was this great crop of young black actors. Yes. yes. Like Larry B. Scott, Rodney Allen Rippey, Kim Fields, mm-hmm. Todd Bridges pre-Different Strokes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and James Bond the Third. Like, this is actually our third James Bond the Third film. Yeah. Because he was, he was in school days, and he was in Death by Temptation. Mm-hmm. And we talked about him as an older actor, how it, it like it just seemed like it didn't really fit. Yes, something's off. But as a kid actor, look, nobody is really doing much in this film. Like like this film moves, it's like eating pop rocks. Like something pops real quick and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. If there's an engine to this film, it is James Bond the third. Mm-hmm. It is Stockard Channing being Stockard Channing in this role. Yes. yes. Which, I, which I have to say, Lynn, for an embarrassing long time, like, Stockard Channing was Grease. Okay. okay. And the fish that saved Pittsburgh. <laughs> but I always really liked her. I love Stockard Channing. So, you know, she's on, and then just the sheer unstoppable charisma of Dr. J who Dr. J's whole purpose in this film is to be Dr. J. Mm-hmm. The story doesn't make a lick of sense. Mm-hmm. The story doesn't take the conceit that seriously at all. Like, right. like, you know, almost immediately it starts to fall apart, but it is in, it is out. 
I don't know what you're about to say. I don't care what you're about to say. <laughs> I, look, man, I love this movie. I do. I love this movie from the moment it starts to the end where, spoiler, the Pittsburgh Pisces win the championship. <laughs> You got Debbie Allen for like a two scenes doing Debbie Allen stuff. Oh, Debbie Allen, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Go ahead, Lynn. Go ahead, Lynn. Pee in my cornflakes, Lynn. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, here's what I'll say. Um, I agree with you that one of the best things about this movie is James Bond the third. Well, first of all, let me go back. Let me start. Since you gave you a little history with this film, I'll give my history with this film. And my history starts, um, unlike you, because you're not a sports fan, my history starts with Dr. J. Julius Irving, for those who don't know, uh, in the 70s, Julius Irving was Michael Jordan. Julius Irving was LeBron James in the 70s. Julius Irving was, he was probably in the 70s, you know, if you named the, the, the five most prominent sports figures in black America in the 1970s, Julius Irving was in the top five, right? That is how prominent he was as a sports figure, as a basketball star in the 70s, from starting in the ABA all the way to after he gets traded from the the ABA shuts down and he he comes to the Philadelphia 76ers in 1976. And when he came to the Philadelphia 76ers, it was like it was like all the stars were aligning in 76 because I was just being introduced to the world of basketball, introduced to to a love of sports, and you had this figure who was not only a good basketball player, but he was a basketball player who was performed feats akin to uh, super heroics on the basketball court. Julius Irving was the person who taught Michael Jordan and all of the high flyers in basketball of today how to fly. He flew on the court. He was the man who was giving you the breathtaking dunks and acrobatic moves and scoring on the basketball court. He was the man who people were going, the Philadelphia 76ers were the biggest draw of the National Basketball Association in from the mid-70s into the 80s strictly because Julius Irving was on their squad and people were going to the basketball uh, stadium to see Dr. J. They didn't even care if their team won. They just wanted to see Dr. J, to say, see they, say that they were in the building when Dr. J did X, Y, or Z, dunked over Kareem J- Abdul-Jabbar, flew around from around the backboard from out of bounds to make a reverse reverse layup 
He was a man of miracles and 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 stunning to watch, especially in his younger days when he had a, a afro that would just billow in the air as he as he would come in from the free throw line for a dunk. And Julius Irving stood next to my dad, William A. Webb Jr. and the the mythological figure that is Batman as <laughs> as the pillars of my existence as growing up as as a young boy also because Julius Irving unlike the drug addled scene in the NBA uh, of the 70s and 80s was squeaky clean he didn't do drugs um, if he smoked, he didn't do it in in public, and I and I don't believe he he smoked. He was very particular and very deliberate about his speech and about the way that he came off um, on screen and and in in interviews and everything like that. He was ve- he was very cognizant of his position as a role model um, for children and took that very 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 seriously while still being this this brother who met, had mad swag on the court and could do mm-hmm. amazing incredible things so when i in 1979 hear that dr j is now going to star in a movie i'm like oh my god and it says it's the fish that saves Pittsburgh. Well, I don't understand why this is, wasn't done in Philadelphia, but okay, I'll ride with you. And I see the commercials for this movie. And this is not like today, ladies and gentlemen, when commercials were pretty much just, you know, the whole trailer of a film. Back in these days, the commercial was about 30 seconds and that was it of the film. Right. So they just took a quick cut of this film. And if you're taking Dr. J and you're trying to sell a movie that was Dr. J um, as a basketball player, all you're seeing is Dr. J say, hey, I'm Moses. And then everything else is just dunks. Everything else is just <laughs> Julius Irving just flying around the court. So I am in. And I, unlike you, Vince, am old enough that I can go to the movies by myself. So I trek <laughs> to the movie theater with my buddy Richie, Boo Boo, Kevin C. Brooks, and my twin sister Leslie because she had to hang with us. Because if I'm going, Les is going too. And we go to the Walton Theater with our dollar 50 in hand which means that we can get into the movie theater and we can also get popcorn and we can also get get some soda sit down prepare to sit down to watch the fish that saved Pittsburgh at least three times in a row <laughs> okay <laughs> on about the fifth go around I said, now we've got to go out. I know all the moves. We can go and and play the fish that's safe Pittsburgh in the streets. Okay. That's where I come from with this movie. This movie was everything to me as a kid. Every freaking thing. Smartly, though, I've never watched the film. (laughs) 
since those five times as a young child. <laughs> Until one day, fasting forward a little bit more, till I'm about, oh, I say like about in my, probably now in my 30s. And people are going on about Michael Jordan. And my nephews, are they love everything Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan is, is repping for Dr. J. And they're like, my nephews, they remember Dr. J, but they don't remember, remember Dr. J. And Jordan's got Space Jam coming out. <laughs> so I say, I'll take y'all to go see Space Jam. But first. <laughs> I got your Space Jam for you. <laughs> Let me show you the original Space Jam. <laughs> oh, no. And I I pop into the DVD player, The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. Now, as I watched that film by myself, because my nephews gave up about 20 minutes in. <laughs> um, Philistine. <laughs> I quickly came to realize, wow, Dr. J can't act. Hey. Hey, hey, I love Dr. J. I love myself some <laughs> Dr. J. Dr. J is a, he, ooh, 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 he's rough, dog. He's rough. <laughs> Let, James Bond III, he, 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 he as, a, as a young boy, he's got the chops, he's got the looks. He he comes off very naturalistic, a little too soft spoken for me. But I mean, but I feel him. He's the best thing going on here. Okay. Stocker Channing obviously realized, you know what? Let me just leave these awards at the door, pick up this check, and just have some fun running around. She's yeah. she don't care. She's like, hey, you know, whatever. Uh, she may be honestly in the movie for about 20 minutes. What does she care? So she's doing, she's doing her thing. Right. Right. But then everybody is, everybody's, everybody's doing their thing. I, no, no, no. Only in the movie for 20 minutes. Like except James Bond, the third and Dr. J like everybody just sort of pops in. And that's the problem because mm-hmm. everything is resting on the shoulders of James Bond III, a young boy who the film should not be resting his shoulders on, and Julius Irving, a charismatic figure on the basketball court. Yeah. But a piece of a basketball court when <laughs> asked to act as an actor. He is he just really lets this film down. And the proof of it, though it starts with his first line reading. <laughs> but the proof of it is that when he takes Margaret Avery, someone else who's just, you know, she she's young in this film. Margaret Avery right, is just right, a young, right. young love interest in this film. And he takes Margaret Avery, who has just <laughs> chewed his head off for, she is so disrespectful. for being a bad influence on her wayward brother, who she lets <laughs> walk out the house to be the, the water boy for the, for the Pisces whenever he wants. And who, also apparently is running the Pisces. Who, yes, apparently... <laughs> 
apparently has the keys to everything, including Julius Irving's Rolls Royce, which he lets him drive. I don't understand this. But when Julius Irving pulls up to the basketball, the outside playground, with Margaret Avery, Margaret Avery, who who has just lambasted him, and with a finishing line of, and you are ruining him with you being out there on the court making all these these plays and scoring all these baskets two at a time, and then Julius Irving says, "What's wrong with twos?" Oh, I thought that was smooth. You crazy? I thought he was smooth. Noah liked twos. <laughs> I don't appreciate that imitation of Dr. J being smooth. <laughs> because he wasn't smooth. <laughs> the lines are smooth. It actually is a cool line. Yeah. But Julius Herbert don't get it over. <laughs> As he proceeds to take himself, his slacks, his white collar shirt, and sweater. And sweater. <laughs> and sweater. Here's the thing. If you notice, <laughs> what he does is go do a bunch of trick shots on the basketball court as a way of making Margaret Avery's character fall in love with him. And she does because next we see they're kissing. But when he does this. Dr. J. <laughs> but when, she, when he does this, he has on his slacks, he has on his wide-collar shirt, he has on his sweater, and he has the basketball that he has taken from his car. Yet he has found time to put on armbands. <laughs> Why don't you take off the sweater if you're putting on the armbands? That's, that's what you question about this movie, the armbands? <laughs> You don't question 14-year-old Tyrone on the mean streets of Pittsburgh in the middle of the night night walking past prostitutes. Oh, that's right. A nighttime astrologer. That part didn't concern you. You didn't question his relationship with Debbie Allen and the various and sundry. I don't know if they had an affiliation with the Pisces. They just kind of showed up. But no, they, Debbie Allen was Debbie Allen was a fan of the Pythons. She like her and her girlfriend. They like basketball, so they would go to the basketball game to look at to look at the guys. Yes, yes, they weren't affiliated with the Pythons, though. Well, they soon became because Tyrone <laughs> turned them into a dance troupe. Right, because again, you 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 don't have any questions about Tyrone's carte blanche. With the running of a professional basketball team. Like Tyrone and the star player go to see the owner. And Dr. J says, I'm going to let Tyrone talk. I know. Tyrone is 14. Why is Tyrone the one putting together the blueprint? Because he has the astrology chart. When I was nine... This made perfect sense to me. It did. Because I was like, well, hell, I guess when you're 14, like, you almost grown. Like, this makes perfect sense. 
that Tyrone is just running the streets and reading books on astrology and he's friends with grown women and I mean, sure, he's 14. But now as the father of someone who was just 14, I'm like, no, where's Child Protective Services? eating vegetables like you just eating fish sandwiches and how much does margaret avery work but no it was something about the armbands the armbands (laughs) (laughs) that's where you're like i say be next i say be nay. i I call shenanigans on the armbands on the armbands (laughs) That's the part. <laughs> you you didn't have any problem with the ragtag basketball team that had a stereotypical Indian, <laughs> a man who went to prison, converted to Islam, but it was the kind of Islam that turns you into a sheik. Metalark <laughs> Lemon as the preacher. That's the other thing. Metalark Lemon, another another then, name. Wait a second. And then Freaky Deaky Twins. What makes them freaky deaky? Well, they twins. <laughs> what you guys say about Metal Lark Lemon? You about to say something crazy about Metal Lark Lemon? Well, the only thing I'm saying about Metal Lark Lemon is, is that Metal Lark Lemon is an, another name that people may not know. He was in the 70s. The um, <clears throat> He was the huge... Um, a basketball star of the Harlem Globetrotters, which and I know, right. which are definitely still a thing, uh, traveling um, comedy basketball troupe. And Meadowlark Lemon was the leader of the Harlem Globetrotters from the '60s well into the '70s, into the late '70s. Um, oh yeah, he was very much the face. Of, right, he was he was the face. Right, him and Curly, him and Curly Neal, and um, he. To see him on the basketball court is to just be, you know, just charmed by this man. And yeah. I, I th- thought this film, a lot a, a lot of this film, like, defanged him a little bit. You know, I was looking for mm-hmm. for, for more from Metal Lark Lemon. Um, you know, and he's, he's in what is, you know, always usually a very comedic role of like the preacher who was also a basketball player. Because um, 1979. Because 1979. But uh, it just, it, it just doesn't, didn't wear well. Another person who is totally wasted in this film is Flip Wilson as the original coach of the <laughs> Pythons. I mean, he's in it for 45 seconds. Like I couldn't even believe they put in the credits and he's in it for 45 seconds. Yeah, he's not in it long at all. And you don't understand what his character is because at one point he's mad at the players and he's screaming at the players. And then another point he's coming off like a sycophant to the players. I mean, it does like this wide, crazy leaps of uh, going on in this film. Um, it's... It, it's a film, you're right. For the most part, it, it makes it doesn't make a lick of sense. It doesn't make absolutely any sense. Um, stuff just happens very randomly. I, it, it almost feels like it was written on the fly, this film. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, is that 
as much fun as you want to have with it, even even with the ragtag um, team as it is. I remember I thought I remembered the team be, playing more of a part in the film. And they really don't. It, like everyone's has like maybe one quick moment, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they really don't feel. You don't really feel they come together uh, as a team. You know, they have like a little quick. I mean, and when I say quick moment, their moments maybe last ten seconds, and then they're off yeah. the screen, and you're back to Tyrone Julius Irving. Who it's just bad. I mean, there's a scene where Julius Irving, as it's going to happen because he's a star, has to do like this rallying speech <laughs> to the team. I swear, I swear, I saw, I could see, I could see like the cue cards. I mean, it was horrible. It was. Like, I'm a man. I'm going on the court. And if you men too, like I know you are, you'll be there with me. You leave Dr. J alone. <laughs> it's, I mean, Vince, this movie, I really want to love this movie, especially because it's got everybody's favorite, Julius Carey, Shona. That's right. I'm He's about in to say Shona. That's right. Malik That's Jamal right. Truth. He's That's in this right. film. And he doesn't even really have a moment. I know. How don't you give him a moment? I know. I, I know. Look, I, look. I, 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 look, I ain't fighting with you about this. I love this movie, though. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I'm not going to fight with you about the Fish and Safe Pittsburgh, but I love this movie. I will say this. It is so extraordinary that it's confusing how good the music is. You're right. You're right. The, the music, because you have the silvers, like you mentioned, they're and, in there. And you have Tom Bell. Like, Tom Bell did the whole soundtrack mm-hmm. so it's like like you said the silvers you got the four tops you got phyllis hyman i don't are the four you tops in the, it i know the spinners are in it I think the you, spinners are in it but the four tops are singing like they sing two or three songs in the film yeah giving it all you got is the is the four tops mm-hmm. um i think the four tops are singing moses are they in song i don't I don't think it's the four tops. No, you're right. That's not them singing his song. But they sing. They have like two or three songs on the soundtrack. Now I gotta look up the soundtrack. Oh, you don't have to because I own it. <laughs> Allow me to pull it up. Okay. Please. Since you asked. Yeah, the four tops do "Chance of a Lifetime." Oh, okay. I thought they did something else. No, you're right. You're right. It's the spinners. Um, it's Frankie Blue does Moses' team. Yeah, yeah. Which is um, which is uh, and and you're right. The spinners do um, no one does it better. Which is a song that's playing when Moses is wooing Margaret Avery through basketballs. Mm-hmm. But then that's Phyllis Hyman singing a uh, Mona theme song. Now that you did, they you do not cannot miss Phyllis Hyman on right. this soundtrack, and she She's gives like, an air of like you know sensuality that is right. that right. this film does and, not warrant. No, nothing about it warrants 
any of you, any of this participation. Like I joke, but the Silver's performance mm-hmm. is easily the highlight of the entire film. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's. I don't know what to tell you. Hold up, you just you just broke up. We we missed all of that. What did you just say? I said, look, I don't know what to tell you. Like you said, nothing about this film warrants any of these singers' participation. Like you get the sense that Tom Bell had been waiting mm-hmm. all throughout the seventies mm-hmm. to make a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Like like he watched James Brown and he watched Curtis Mayfield and and he watched um y- you know um. How did I just forget Shaft? Isaac Hayes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he said, and now it's my turn. <laughs> and like, Mr. Bell, black exploitation is almost over. He said, no, 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 no. I'm going to take my shot. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. And it's, as often the case, a great sound, tr- you know, not every great soundtrack um, accompanies a great film but this is a film despite my feelings about it is a film that has lived on in legend there are people that love this film there's actually a fish that saved pittsburgh.com if you can yeah that. oh yeah oh yeah uh why did this film almost make a hundred million dollars i know well <laughs> well you know why because like i said one dr j is i mean in 1979 he was the NBA. Gotta remember, for those who don't, to put it in context, Dr. J was easily the most flamboyant player in the NBA in 1979. This is the year before Magic Johnson enters the NBA. So, th- right, so right. at this point, Dr. J is the person that everybody is is emulizing everybody else in the NBA are, are good players, but there's only one superstar. There's only one dynamic superstar and that's Dr. J. So he's going to put the butts in the seats and, and go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just, just to add a bit of clarity that now I'm doing sports stuff because we're in the upside down place. Like you said, he came from the ABA, which mm-hmm. was this other basketball team. Right. But what made the ABA so famous is that it was a flashier yes. type of basketball. Yes. And Dr. J kind of was, is it fair to say he was the best thing to come out of the ABA? Easily. Easily. He was the right. superstar in the ABA. He was a two-time right. uh, ABA champion. He led the New so York he, he brought that Right. So he brought that flash. He brought that style mm-hmm. to the NBA. Yes. And they didn't know now, what hit him. Right, and I'm going to stop talking because all that sports talk almost made my head explode. But <laughs> you know what? I didn't really like the a- the a- I didn't really know anything about the ABA. But you know what? I really love. Like you know what? I really like what everybody loved about the ABA. The uniform, the basketball. Oh, no, the, basketball. the basketball. Right, that red, white, and blue basketball. Oh yeah, most certainly. And they like the uniforms. The uniforms. Right. The uniforms were dope. And yo, you can still buy uh, Pittsburgh Pisces <laughs> jersey. On the internet, if you want, oh, ladies and gentlemen. I know, I know. Because <laughs> don't tell, you don't have a jersey. I know you. I don't have a jersey, but I I I actually ordered a t-shirt yesterday. <laughs> I didn't know it existed. I didn't know it. Like I thought I was the only one that loved this movie. Oh no! Like I I found my people yesterday. <laughs> Here's the thing: I wouldn't want 
a jersey because I think wearing a, ba- a basketball jersey is not you know, it, you know people are not into that too much anymore, right? Right. And a t-shirt is a t-shirt. What I actually did like returning to this film, I like their warm-ups. The, How the, about that? Those hoods. With that, them hoods? Them hoods that are almost like fins. On, yeah. Those jumps were kind of fly. I, I'm not even going to lie. They were fly. I, I was feeling them. Down in the balloon, which I thought was dangerous, and I couldn't believe that the insurance company signed off on it, but they came in the balloon that yeah. was shaped like a fish. Yeah, that was a little much. That was You're bugging. You're bugging. <laughs> that was this a little much. Fantastic. You're bugging. I guess I guess that was a fantasy element of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that part was. That part was. You didn't even mention the fact that Jonathan Winters played brothers. Hey Lynn, ask me why Jonathan Winters played brothers. Why did Jonathan Winters play brothers? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. I don't understand any of that Jonathan Winters brothers part of the plot. Like I didn't understand why the one brother was mad at the other one. You did I didn't understand. Know. I didn't understand the whole plan with kidnapping Mona. <laughs> I just said, all right, all right, yeah, sure, all right. Made Let's no sense. Over. It made no sense. <laughs> it made absolutely no sense. And um, yeah, it's. Look, look, it was fun to go back, go uh, have this little piece of nostalgia. The other reason why I was going to say why it made money is Dr. J put the, put the butts in the seats. The basketball scenes are actually pretty good basketball scenes. As, no, oh, as yeah. far as filmed basketball scenes, they, they definitely are pretty good. Dr. J is putting all of his skills on display on the court. So it looks fun. Um, I was actually mentioning to somebody that I was watching the film with that the Pisces, their basketball court, their actual oh, yeah. home court. Like, I, if I had enough money, that would be the home court in my house, and, and it would be it would be Aries. But it was yeah. that fly. It was yeah, it was mad dope. Fly. Yeah, it was dope. It was mad I fly. think uh, just another piece of trivia because they just celebrated a wedding anniversary. I believe this is where Norm Nixon and Debbie Allen met. This is exactly where they met. That is exactly yeah. Norm Nixon, who plays one of the Los Angeles team that the Pisces have to play um, for the championship, uh, and and was a noted basketball star of, uh, on his own right. Right. You know, but him and Debbie Allen. Uh, that's this is the film where they met, and Debbie Allen. I will have to say, and I'm. You know, we've we've chronicled Debbie Allen before, and um, we both are huge Debbie Allen fans. In a small role, she is one of the another one of the better parts of this film. She's funny. She's effervescent. She lights up the screen uh, when she's when she comes on. I really, I actually enjoyed her a great deal in the movie. Oh, Debbie Allen is is. I mean, frankly, I, I still don't know if anyone has really done justice to Debbie Allen. Yeah. Same here. Like, same like, here. like she was on fame for years mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, one of my patented rants, I, like I have a whole fame, the television show rant where, where, you know, part of it is how they defanged Debbie Allen mm-hmm. and kind of sand it down, which would made her so amazing in the film. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, everywhere Debbie Allen shows up, it's it's just a joy. Like one of my dreams 
after the Cosby show ended, I wanted she and Felicia Rashad to have a show. Oh, really? Yeah, like, you know, playing sisters. She shows up on an episode of the Cosby show mm-hmm. and she's and she's really good with Felicia Rashad. Like they bounce off of each other really well. And and yeah, yeah, I'm a big Debbie Allen fan. See, see, it's funny you say that because while I have enjoyed seeing Debbie Debbie Allen um in front of the camera, it always I actually was always more delighted that she was someone who pretty much in the prime of her career kind of moved to behind this behind the scenes and directing right. and producing um right because it was like she early early on you know figured it out like oh this is where the power is and let's face it for an actress this is where the longevity is you know so i actually kind of like like just knowing that she was behind the scenes doing doing beast work you know oh you're right yeah yeah you're i mean and and she's a good director a great very but good I, director. but i but i am a big fan of debbie allen the performer and and i've always been like we were talking before the uh review uh she was in the musical version of raisin mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which i've never seen but i have the original cast recording mm-hmm. and and you know her charm and her charisma and all of it come across even on the song. Okay. So that, you know, from day zero, and then, we, we, you know, it's a, we've joked about this, but like, you know, she was on that episode of Good Times. Right. Like, everywhere that she shows up, it's a bright spot. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so. so would you recommend that people see look, the Fish hey, and Saves Pixburg? Look, look, man, yes. Yes. Everyone should be, see the Fish that say Pittsburgh, and if you get angry at me about it because it's not a quote unquote good movie, well, it's no Space Jam. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, it's not it's not Space Jam. I, I think I, I think like I don't think Mike Mike Michael Jordan is the greatest actor in Space Jam, but compared to Doctor J and this, you see why Space Jam became Space Jam. Mm-hmm. But um, you you know. I will say this. If you don't see it, I, I do think it's worth it to look up the Silver's performance on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a great soundtrack. But you know, look, look, I say see it. It, it. it makes me very happy. There you go. So, yes, I would say see it. Lynn. <laughs> Boo. 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 Well, you called it. Boo. All the best parts are on YouTube. You can go see, you can go see the Silvers. You can so you can go see Dr. J and his armbands and his sweater. <laughs> All the best parts are on YouTube. You can even see Debbie Allen. All the best parts are on YouTube. So just go see, just go see, you know, just go go to YouTube and just watch those videos, and and, and <laughs> you'll see all that there is to see of the fish that saves Pittsburgh. Ooh, to land. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, until Doctor Channing's greatest role <laughs> is like six degrees of separation. And the fish that saved Pittsburgh. Yeah, 
Yep. <laughs> That's what she leads with. <laughs> When's the last time you think Dr. Channing and Dr. J been in the same place? <laughs> been quite some time <laughs> it's been quite some time when, when's the last time dr oh. j been in the same place as margaret avery i bet she's i, I bet she walked on the other side of the room too um here's the funny thing when margaret avery and stockard channing who i believe like i like it seems like they do travel in the same circle mm-hmm. when they run into each other do you think they acknowledge this film <laughs> like do you think like they're at like tony awards and stuff like <laughs> It's like it's like some opening of some great play, and they run into each other. Do you think they talk about the fish that say Pittsburgh? So, Stocker. Margaret Avery. <laughs> They're like a black tie event. So, Stockard, how do you know Margaret? McDonald's. We met at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we came up again. We were in a small production of Cat on the Hot Tin Roof. We did some off-Broadway work together. Our children had the same dentist. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they've they've got code. They've definitely got got code. (laughs) Right. The fish that saved Pittsburgh is like the fight club on their resume. (laughs) I don't care, Lynn. I love this movie. I don't care what you say. That's good, Vince. Congratulations. (laughs) Before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week, ladies and gentlemen, on May I Have Another... Uh, we invite you to send all of your feedback. Email us at the Michaud Mission at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts and concerns. Follow us on all the social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Michaud Mission. The Michaud Mission is available as a podcast as part of the Podglomerate Podcast Network, thepodglomerate.com, curated podcast for your listening pleasure. You can check out the the Michelle Mission as a podcast on Podglomerate, on MichelleMission.com, and any place and every place that you find podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Overcast. If there's some place you find podcasts, you'll find the Michelle Mission. And if you don't find us, then tell them, hey, why y'all sleeping on the Michelle Mission? Put it here, too. Make it happen. That's right. And wherever you find it, please do us a favor and give us a five-star rating and a review because that helps other people find our show. The Michelle Mission is also available as a radio show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM, 106.5 FM, Philly Cam, people-powered media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU, 91.7 FM. Um, the voice of Drexel University. All right, Vince. Next week it's right. my turn to choose yes, a when, film. As we as we begin, as we begin, <laughs> Mother May I? As we continue our trek through May of Mother as we May begin, I, 
Yes. We select another film that has not garnered much praise and is not considered a classic of black cinema, but Vince and I will be the judge. As next week, we sit down to watch Cedric, the entertainer, take his brood on a Johnson family vacation. Oh, interesting. Have you seen this? I've not seen this film. Interesting. All I know is it's, that his wife is played by Vanessa Williams and his son yeah. is played by one Bow Wow. And his daughter is played by Solange Knowles. Oh, that's right. And Solange Knowles yeah. is his daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, right. that's interesting you think there's a Mother May I film. Yeah. I believe you may be wrong two weeks in a row, Mr. Webb. <laughs> but we shall see, shan't we? We shall see. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, he's Vince and I'm Len. And in parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>